My name is Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church. And man, I love, love, love what we get to do here. I love what we get to be a part of here. We are, we are launching our brand new series today called Lucha. Lucha. Production, you ready? We're launching with Lucha today. You guys ready? Come on, we're launching. We're kicking off our brand new series called Lucha. And everybody's like, what is Lucha? Lucha is a Spanish word for the word wrestler. Everybody say wrestler. I got my wrestling shirt on today, my phys ed shirt. I'm ready to wrestle. Anybody ready to rumble today? Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, we are wrestlers. Or los luchadores, if you're a Spanish-speaking person, right? If, if you've seen Nacho Libre, he was a luchador, and he was kind of the inspiration for this series today. And, and they wear these masks as luchadors. They wear these masks to hide their real identity and to strike fear into the opponent's enemy's hearts, right? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Luchador. Ever say luchador. Yeah. Can we just give it up for the creative teams that make this place look amazing all the time? Yes, 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 yes. Amazing props. I love luchador. What an amazing wrestler. And it says lucha. Read it and weep. Lucha. Wrestler. Wrestler. Ever say the wrestler. Next couple of weeks, what we're going to be doing is I'm going to try to describe to you the dynamics of the two worlds that are in play here, okay? How they operate how they work together, how they come into conflict with one another, and the wrestle that occurs between us and spiritual forces. Us and spiritual forces. The wrestle, or la lucha, that we will be referring to is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So to all the wrestlers, los luchadores and las luchadoras, there is a wrestle, but it's not against people. It's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Where? In heavenly places. Where is the wrestle? In Where is the wrestle? In Everybody say heavenly places. So Ephesians 6 tells us there is a wrestle. And today in your notes, we're calling this first installment, Free the Fighters. Free the, I thought you guys would get excited about that. We're going to be talking about this for about five weeks. And if you're just not enthusiastic about it, it's going to be very hard. Everybody say, free the fighters. In, in Spanish, it'd be, libera los luchadores. Right? Liberty to the luchadores. Right? Loose the luchadores. Free the fighters. Free the fighters. Okay, so this is a series. I want to explain it to you one more time because I feel like you're not really catching what we're talking about yet. Uh, this is a series where we're hoping to encompass the whole concept of how the visible and the invisible world interplay. Okay? And sometimes what's going on in your life that you might not even be privy to just because you can't see it in front of you. One of our core values here is relevance. So I promise you this is going to be weird. This is going to be weird and spooky and all sorts of non-relevant to your life. This will be relevant. And I'm believing that by the end of this series, you are going to be more earthly good than ever before. I believe, and I hope today, it hits you in a relevant way that will not make you less effective on earth, but more effective against uh, the agent of change than ever before. You're going to actually change other people's lives because of what you hear today. I believe that things are going to move in your life when you practice the principles we talk about here today. And I'm anticipating that by the end of this series, your daily prayer life would have leveled up dramatically. Okay? And I want to get started. Today we're going to get started a couple times, but today we're going to get started by breaking down the kingdom. 
the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Jesus, he had a forerunner or a person that went before him named John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes before Jesus saying, it isn't me, but someone is coming. One is coming after me that is the Messiah. He is the difference maker for all of humanity. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, every person on the planet, once and for all. Behold, he's coming. It's not me. He's the perfect sacrifice. He's perfect for humanity. Jesus is just right for you if you're a humanoid, and you are just right for Jesus if you're a humanoid. He says, I'm the perfect sacrifice. And John's message is this. Jesus is coming, so repent. Change the way you think, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within arm's reach. It's not so distant. It's not so out there. It's not so irrelevant. The kingdom of, hand, of heaven is at hand. Everybody say it's at hand. It's reachable. It's attainable. It's accomplishable. It's right there in front of you. And I want you to get this. He said repent. Repentance is not a prayer. Repentance is not saying, oh, I'm really, really, really sorry, and I'll never do it again. We talked about this last series, right? Repentance is changing your mind. Changing. Repentance is a military word that said you are headed in one direction, and you are about to do an about face and go the other direction. You're headed this way. Flip it around. Go this way. We're thinking of a train of thought. When he's saying, you're thinking one train of thought, and you turn around, and you turn that train in a different direction. So John the Baptist was preaching. There's somebody coming <laughs> that is getting ready to ruin your framework of religion. He's about to ruin religion for you for the rest of your life. Get ready right now to change your mind. Because what he's going to tell you is not going to fit in your filter or in your framework that you currently have. He's coming on the scene, and he's going to be bringing the kingdom of heaven. So here comes Jesus. Jesus comes. Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins. And the kingdom that John prophesied about, Jesus starts to bring to light. Almost every story Jesus ever told, almost every interaction he had with us humanoids on the planet as God in flesh, he starts with the kingdom. The kingdom is like, he says kingdom talk almost every time he talks. And he starts everything with talking about the kingdom in one of two ways. On your notes, he says... It's the kingdom of heaven. And he says, it's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Heaven tells you where it's from. God tells you who owns it. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven tells you where it's from. Kingdom of God tells you who owns it. Are you catching me? And every kingdom has characteristics built around the king's desired culture. It's built around the king's heart, the king's vision, the king's perspective, the king's lens. The culture is created through the king's desired culture. Are you getting that? Jesus is known as the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And he constantly said, I I'm bringing a kingdom. And he used the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven interchangeably. He said, this is a kingdom that is so important that I want you to pray about it every day on the daily. On the daily. Every day, pray this way. Pray that my kingdom would come and that my will would be done here on this ball of dirt on earth in your real life as it is in heaven. And while you hate your life and you're praying for God to take you out of earth into heaven, God is saying, I'm trying to give you the keys of the kingdom so that you can bring heaven to earth. So quit whining and start winning. 
Quit making excuses about why it doesn't happen and execute the kingdom of heaven in your life. I want you to know his kingdom of heaven has the capacity to be here on earth. You need to catch that. Heaven on earth is not like a, a movie title or something really cute and euphoric. It's a reality that Jesus is offering you and me. Or, or, or do you think that Jesus was setting this up for daily frustration and daily insanity? Is he, is he turning us into crazy people that do the same thing every day and expect a different result? That's called insanity. Say this every day and nothing will happen. Say this every day and, and your life will be insane. You'll be an insane person. That's not who Jesus is. That's not his character. It's not his nature. He's not a man that he should lie. And he's not trying to create a frustration in you just so you get to heaven. He wants to invade heaven or earth. He wants to invade earth with heaven. And it's possible. He wants you to talk about it every day to God. Not in a religious way, but in a relational way. God, I want to see you move. God, I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your will be done in my real life like it is in your real life. And he wants you to bring his kingdom of heaven to earth through you. Are you catching that? So this 30-year-old God man shows up on the planet. He comes to earth saying, I'm a king. Whew. I'm God in flesh. And I'm bringing a kingdom with me. The kingdom is from heaven. It is of God. It's from heaven, of God, and it has characteristics. First of all, number one, every kingdom has a culture. Number one, every kingdom has a culture. A culture is a way of doing life. It's a way of the natural way that we do life in a place with a certain group of people. Language is a huge part of culture, yes? History is a huge part of our culture, yes? Physical environments, your surroundings are a part of your culture, yes. I've been to different parts of Africa, Europe, Asia, the islands. I've seen different cultures. And it's amazing to see different strengths from so many different cultures. But culture is what naturally comes out of the people in these specific places. It's what naturally comes to them. To me, it's different. It's diverse. It's dynamic. But to them, it's normal. It's natural and maybe even nominal. They're used to seeing all their colors. They're used to seeing all of their rituals. They're used to seeing all their culture in full manifest. Doesn't mean they don't like it. It's just like breathing air to them. It's normal to them. It's natural to them. It's their culture. And if you saturate yourself in a culture or truly become part of a culture, you do not have to give it thought. Certain things start to come naturally to you. Your language, your mannerisms. Uh, we just want to celebrate, I, I believe, yes, the Pearsons are here from Nepal. Let's give it up for the Pearsons. They're, they're amazing people. I don't know what I can and can't say, but they're amazing people that are on a mission in Nepal to see people's lives changed. And, and when I was in Nepal, even when there's their mannerisms, even when they're saying yes, their heads go like this. And then Dave and Cynthia come home and they're like, well. I'm like, you're, you're in a different culture, but to them, and I'm not making fun of anybody, but I'm saying like, to them it's like so natural. It's a cultural mannerism that they do naturally. Even if they're agreeing with you, like we would say, yes, come on, yeah, that's really good. They'll be like, it's not like they're thinking about it. They're actually saying yes, but their heads are saying no. Their mannerism is different, but it's their natural. Are you catching me? Uh, you're driving on the wrong side of the road. I was in the Bahamas driving with my wife, and it was very scary because I started driving on the wrong side of the road. It did not come natural for me to be in England when I'm in the Bahamas, okay? It just wasn't normal, natural thought, but it's a colony, and there they are. They all drive on the... It's not natural to me, but to them, it's normal. And if I spend enough time there, and I saturate myself enough, driving on the wrong side of the road become natural to me. 
moving my head will become natural. Are you catching me? Everything starts to become natural. And what God wants to happen is that you become so in love with him. What God wants to happen here on earth as it is in heaven, that you become so in love with him, that you speak his language, you know his ways, you practice his principles, and you seek first his kingdom, and all these other things get added unto you. It becomes natural. He wants your pursuit and passion to be his kingdom so much that having victory comes more natural than losing. Being at peace comes more natural than being stressed out, anxious filled, worried about all the world. Uh, peace is natural in the kingdom of heaven. Joy, it's a natural thing. It's a natural characteristic that he wants to invade earth through his people. You don't want to be miserable. You don't want to frown. Turn it upside down. Come on. You want natural joy to say, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense. I have the joy of the Lord. That's my strength. It's an unnatural, natural thing when the kingdom is coming to earth. I want to tell you, he wants believing to become more natural than doubting. He wants believing in people more natural than being skeptic of people, jaded to people. Even doing the right thing becomes more natural than doing wrong. You do things that give you life and don't breed death. I told you, God wants you to live dominating more naturally than to live dominated by anything. You name it. Anything. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. Because his kingdom culture has become so natural to you. Why are we meditating? Why are we praying? Because he wants to see a kingdom come through you. And it will be done through you. And wherever he is, whatever he's a part of, it's a winning culture. It's a prosperous culture. Wherever he is, there is a winning culture. When you want to reflect heaven, start winning. His kingdom culture never gets defeated. Well, I don't know if I like that, Pastor. It sounds like a prosperity gospel. I don't know if I, I like that winning culture twist. All right. Okay. Uh, well, I'm on board with 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that says, Thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph in this culture in Christ. I'm on board with that. I like your opinion, but I like his better. I can't ignore Isaiah 9, 7 that says, And of the increase of his kingdom government and peace, there will be no end. Are you catching me? Uh, how will that happen? The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish that. Will accomplish this. Increase is continued growth and victory. Peace gets through any storm. Are you catching me? Of the increase of his government. And he wants that to be our natural here on earth as kingdom citizens. Our go-to culture, what we do and we operate in without thinking is winning. Increase. Never-ending increase. He says, I will take you from glory to glory, from strength to more strength. I want to see my, my mercy and my grace elevate and escalate your life. You catching me? Didn't Pastor do an amazing job last week? I love you, Pastor Dave. We honor you. So Jesus talks like a man from a different country. He says, I came from heaven, and I want my kingdom culture to come and my will to be done here on earth, just like it is in heaven, just like it is in heaven. Now, I believe that when God created the heavens and the earth, he created the heavens, which are an invisible expression of himself. And then he created earth, which is a visible expression of who he is. So he has an invisible world and a visible one. Well, where do you get that from? I get that from Hebrews 11, verse 3. The Bible says that the visible one was made out of the invisible one. Right? The visible is subject to change, if we could throw it up. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. 
The Bible said invisible one is more real than the visible one. The visible all around you is subject to change. One day it's going to be balled up, rolled up, and thrown away like an old carpet. It's temporary, but the invisible one never changes. Even your temporary problems, they are going to change. In other words, the realm that I can't see is the parent realm. It's the winning realm. It's the real realm. I know this feels real, but it's not as real as what's real up there. The realm that I'm living in is subject to change. That's why Matthew 6, 19, Jesus gives you a nugget of wisdom, and he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and varmin destroy, and where thieves can break in and take your stuff, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. On earth, he's saying this to us as a practical discipline every day of our lives. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves cannot touch it with a 10-foot pole. He's saying heaven, my kingdom, spiritual realities are eternal. And they don't start when you get there. They start right now on earth as it is in heaven. But you need to catch that physical earthly realities are temporal. They're temporal. That's why you always hang on to spiritual things. That's why you're here this morning getting spiritual knowledge and spiritual light, spiritual reality, because spiritual things do not change. They are eternal. They transcend the smallness of here and now. I'd encourage you, never hang the weight of your life on physical things or what you see in the natural in front of you. Instead, hold on to spiritual things and what God says about things, because they will always change the physical things that you're going through. Well, my physical body is sick. Hang on to the spiritual truth that Jesus is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And you will see your physical change. I'm telling you. Well, I don't see it. Quit talking about what you're going through and say what God says. Quit talking about the temporal and start speaking and declaring the eternal. Because what God says does not change. What you're going through on earth is definitely subject to change. If you bring God into it, I'm telling somebody, it never changes. He changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has the power to shift your reality on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, if you believe that, say yes. Culture. Culture. Every kingdom has one. A culture, the things that come naturally. Jesus said, you've heard it said in your world. In other words, this is the way you guys operate and think in your kingdom. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But in my world, I say love your enemies. In your country, in my country, right? In your country, you say get even. But in my country, we say show mercy. Have mercy fresh every day. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He's giving you the keys to his kingdom not for heaven, here on earth, for here, right now, in your reality. He's telling you, this is what it's like where I live. Bring it to earth. This is the way heaven runs. It can be your reality now. This is our language. This is our thinking. These are our filters. This is what comes naturally in our culture. We're kind. We're generous. We're disciplined. Okay, you've heard in your country, it's more blessed to get. But in my country, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You've heard when you pray, use lofty words. Make people think you're really important and impress them. But I tell you, pray for impact just like this. Our Father who's in heaven, awesome is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give me my daily bread. Let me forgive people, my brother, as I forgive those who hurt me. It's really simple, really, really handily. He says, keep it simple. Talk to me. You don't have to go to seminary to learn how to talk to God. It's not about what's right. It's about what's real. And he's trying to connect you to his reality in your real reality. I just want to stop and say, 
I want everybody to catch this. You've probably heard it said that some people are so heavenly minded, they are of no earthly good. How many of you guys have heard that before? So heavenly mind, no earthly good. Well, that's impossible. And here's why it's impossible. The people who are so heavenly minded but not earthly good, they're not really heavenly minded. Because it's impossible. Because if you're actually heavenly minded, you're not just spiritually superior and talking about things that don't affect your life. You actually pick up the burden of heaven, which is relevance of kingdom heaven actually invading and impacting earth in a real way. You hear it in the prayer Jesus teaches us to pray. Don't be heavenly minded for heaven just to do spiritual calisthenics. Who cares how much you know until somebody knows how much you care? Are you catching me? Who cares how heavenly minded you are? How many answers you have? What you think about the thing over here and the thing over here and how you know everybody else is wrong because you're so right. Don't be so heavenly minded just to do spiritual calisthenics and flex for fools. Be heavenly minded for earth to serve people. Bring heaven down to earth. You need to get out of the cloud and get down to earth in a relevant, handily, effective way. I want heaven's culture to invade and impact earth on earth. Not in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. So if it's all just for heaven and heaven and heaven, I'm telling you, you're trying to escape your reality, that's not God's will for your life. You're trying to show people how much you know, that is not helpful to their lives. So whatever ineffective, useless, heavenly gyration you're going through that doesn't affect your daily life here on earth, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus didn't talk about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, all the time, over and over again, to simply dangle a carrot in front of you so when you die, you get to go to heaven. It's nothing to do with you spending your life in heaven. Nothing could be further from the truth. Heaven is set. I want to tell you, heaven is good. Heaven's culture works flawlessly without you, and it works if you believe in it or not. It's a culture that is a winning culture that always wins no matter what. It's a culture that exists with or without your approval. And the whole point, or your understanding, the whole point of what Jesus was talking about was for a new reality on earth. He did not get, do all the things to get you here so you could focus and, and, and meditate just on dying someday. You're alive for a reason. And it's not to die and go to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Set me free from useless theology that just can't wait to die. And, do, and what, escape real life? I can't wait to live. And experience real life on earth as it is in heaven. I only get one shot at this. I'm going to spend eternity there. A new reality for your everyday life. That's what Jesus is getting after. A new dimension in the same dimension that you're in. He wants you to affect earth as a citizen of heaven. His kingdom is for real life on earth. Do you believe that? So Jesus comes. He introduces another kingdom's culture. Not the Roman Empire not the Jewish religion, but his father's heavenly kingdom culture. And it's obvious. It is not a democracy. It is a monarchy. With royalty and bloodlines. I'm talking bloodlines. And kings and priests. And number one, every kingdom has a culture. Number two, every kingdom has citizenship. Jesus never asked people to become church members. It's not in the Bible. Are you a member of the church yet? It's not in the Bible. He said, you must be born again. Why? Because he represents a kingdom. How do you become a citizen of a kingdom? You have to be born in that country. So Jesus comes on the scene and said, unless a person is actually born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And as a citizen of heaven, we have a culture. We have codes that we live by. We have things that are natural to us as citizens of heaven. And if you want to be a part of it, guess what? There's only one way in. Through Jesus, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born into this kingdom culture. That's how you become a citizen. So you must be born again. Okay, number three, every kingdom has a system of taxation. I wish America's was like God's. I mean, tell you what, God is good at running a kingdom government. God is good at running a monarchy. He is so benevolent and so generous and so sweet and so strong. He is the best leader of this culture. And I want to tell you, he's good at running a kingdom government. Every government has a system of taxation to give the citizens rights and privileges by being a part of that country. Are you catching me? I don't like paying a bunch of taxes, but I do like the police coming when I call them. Don't you like that? I don't like paying taxes, but I do like having roads and bridges that get me there without breaking my car. All right. I do like school buses running, picking up our kids back and forth. I do want our children to be educated by someone, right? So every, every country has a system of taxation so that while you're a citizen, you have the rights and privileges of that country. Because I'm an American citizen, I woke up this morning with certain unalienable rights. When you become born again, you wake up with rights. I mean, brand new set of rights. I'm not trying to stir up your political opinions. I'm trying to stir up your kingdom parallels. This is not about your political opinions, about kingdom parallels. If I'm born in the U.S., certain rights come alive to me instantaneously. If I'm born in Cuba, certain rights are withheld from me and not given to me instantaneously. Aren't you blessed to be an American? I'm so thankful that I was born here as a citizen. It's amazing. And I'm so thankful that there's other ways to get citizenship here in the U.S. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not against it. I'm just saying, in the kingdom of heaven, he says there's one way. There is one way. If I'm born again into the kingdom of heaven, I come alive to new rights. Brand new rights. This is why we say nothing changes, but everything changes when you give your life to Jesus and you're born again. The sky is bluer. The grass is greener. People are different. Life is different. I'm telling you, if you haven't experienced that yet, it's because your citizenship hasn't changed. But when your citizenship changes, nothing changes in your world and everything changes in your world. You have access. You have rights as a citizen of heaven, kingdom. That's why I tell you when you pray, quit approaching God like you're a beggar, like you're an outsider, like you're an outcast. You're not a beggar. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. If you've been born again, you're a member of the royal family. You are sons and daughters of the king of kings in heaven and of God. And God has made you promises as a born-again citizen. And you come to the throne room boldly, he says. Here's the throne room. You come into the kingdom's throne room boldly in your time of need. You don't come in scared. You don't come in begging. You come in knowing, I'm supposed to be here. I belong in your presence. I belong in your throne. I, you belong in the throne room because of who your father is. Because of who you were born into. There's never a wrong time when you're a son. There's never a wrong time to come into the throne room when you're a son or a daughter. It doesn't matter who your father is. It doesn't matter what meeting your dad is in. It doesn't matter what's going on around him. It doesn't matter what deal is going down in the throne room of heaven. When you're a son or a daughter, you always have access to a throne room of mercy and grace. It's so good. That's the way our father runs his kingdom. Accessibility to those who are born again. He says, if anybody has a problem with one of my kids coming in my throne room, 
you have a problem with me. Because they are welcome here anytime. Hebrews 4.16, the king tells us, the king tells us, the king tells us, come now boldly into the throne room and I will give you help in any time or type of need. I am not a beggar. Are you a beggar? I'm his boy. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I belong there. Quit acting like you don't belong where you've been born into. You belong here. And even though I'm a part of the royal family, I still pay my taxes. I give my father's kingdom at least 10% of everything I make and more. I do. In the kingdom, he provides for me so many ways to make more and to be blessed. The Bible says it's the kingdom, it's the king of heaven that gives you the power to make wealth here on earth. There's a wrestle over this, but I'm telling you, it's worth the fight. The Bible says it's the king of heaven. He is the one who gives you the power to get wealth here on earth. As a citizen of heaven, it, it crosses over. I follow his biblical principle of tithing to my local storehouse in his big kingdom. He says, bring all your tithes, all your 10% into the local storehouse. And because I tithe, things show up when I talk. And if you don't pay taxes, they'll take your privileges away as a citizen. And they'll even throw you in jail. It's like having a form of godliness, <laughs> but denying the power thereof. But when I'm a tither and I say, hey, I belong to the family. He says, the windows of heaven are opened up to you. The windows of heaven are open, And I have access to rights and privileges that anti-citizens don't have. God said, test me now in this. Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the local storehouse. Put your king to the test with your tithe. And see if I don't open up the windows of earth. See if I don't open up the windows of yeah, 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 yeah. See if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing on earth that you do not have the room enough to contain it, to store it, to keep it to yourself. In the New Testament, Jesus told the Pharisees, tithe you should. Tithe you should, Jesus said to the New Testament reality. Tithe and show mercy. Don't do one without the other. Tithe and be generous to people who need a second chance. Tithe and don't escalate or, or, or put yourself above other people just because you tithe. And here it is, the topic we've all been waiting for to get this series started. Are you ready to start the Lucha series? Today is the Lucha launch, and we're about to launch it. Number four, every kingdom has a military. Every kingdom pays taxes. Every kingdom has a military. Every kingdom has a culture. Every kingdom has citizenship. Every kingdom has a military. And this military has an enemy. And this military has lines of authority. And this military has might and strength and power. And this military has specialists, like really good specialists. They're good at what they do. They are angelic forces. The kingdom of heaven's military are angels, angelic forces. Well, I don't believe in this supernatural stuff. Okay, I believe in the Bible, and it's all over the place. So I just want to prepare you. Angels are not yellow creatures that glow in the dark with halos and feathers that drop dust on your baby's head, and they, and they sing over them at nighttime. They are not Valentine's Day stupid Cupid creatures, okay? These things are fierce. They are warring angels. They are bad, bad Leroy Brown meanest dog in the whole darn town these things are big they're ferocious they are powerful i hear christians say oh i saw an angel you didn't see an angel two 
Roman soldiers saw an angel and they passed out like dead men. Two Roman military trained soldiers, trained to fight, trained to go to war, trained to see gory, crazy military things, saw an angel and they shook like dead men at the sight of an angel and fell over and passed out for hours. Not at the sight of Jesus, not at the sight of God. They shook at the sight of an angel. These are big, bright beings. They are God's warring angels. Psalms 91 tells me, I'm not supposed to fight my battles. Why? Why? Hold off on that verse. Why? Because he has given me a military. Now that I've been born into the kingdom, and now I'm a citizen of heaven, and now that I'm learning his new culture, and I'm paying my tithe, I understand he has given his angels charge over me. He has given his angels assignments over me, that they might bear you up in their wings and guard you in all of your ways. I would say all of my ways. That you don't dash your foot against a stone. That you don't dash your foot against a stone. Somebody say, I got a military protecting me. I've got angels everywhere. It was one angel who rolled back the stone that was so big, it took 15 soldiers to move it over Jesus' tomb. One angel. One angel broke the seal and rolled it away. And while the Spice Girls were coming to see him, and he was waiting for them to get there so he could send him a message, he just sat on that stone like, I'm bad, and I know it. One angel. Ever say One. Struck down 85,000 Assyrian army soldiers in one day. 85,000. Just one angel. One angel was released through Egypt and took all of Pharaoh's firstborn sons. Not a legion. One angel. Come on, somebody. Just one angel did it. Tell your neighbor, all you need is one. Yes, you have angels surrounding. Yes, you have angels, but all you need is one angel. The Bible says that the devil was taken and bound in chains by one angel. Not by God, by an angel. Jesus looked at Pilate. He says, if I told my father to, I would send out a legion of angels. A legion is 6,000. He said 6,000 angels could take down the whole Roman Empire, dude. If I just told my father I needed him for one second, he said, Pilate, who do you think you're talking to? And he said it with authority like he meant it because he's a part of a different kingdom that has the capacity to invade earth and mess things up. Psalms 91, let's look at it together. Psalms 91, 11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Some of you are dashing your foot against stones all over the place. There's something available to you that you have not accessed as a citizen of heaven. Over here, you run into stones. Over here, you run into pebbles. Over here, you run into boulders. Over here, you run into rocks. Your, your toes are all beat up. I want to tell you something. There is something accessible to you that the enemy does not want you to understand. Psalms 103. Let's read it. And I close with this. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word. I'm about to set you free. Come on now. Who do his word. Heeding the voice of his word. Verse 21. Bless the Lord, all you heavenly hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. If we go back to verse 20, we see angels do his word. It's very specific. Do his word. Heeding the voice of his word. It did not say heeding his voice. It did not say heeding God's voice only. It says heeding the voice of his word. They do not heed the voice of God alone. They heed the word of God, spoken by any voice. That's why we want to pray the word. That's why we want to speak the word. 
That's why we're not crazy people when we speak into atmospheres and we speak the word of God. Some of us have had angels all around us at our disposal that have never been activated on our behalf. Why? Because you never sent them on assignment with the word of God. But when you speak the word, David said, the entrance of your words give light, give freedom, give breakthrough. Angels are pre-programmed by God to pick up his word. If they hear the word of God, kingdom of heaven comes to earth. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. They're pre-programmed by God to pick up your words. Because angels are spirit beings. They're spirit beings. And Jesus said that his words are spirit. And his words are life. Angels are spirit beings only. They pick up his word by spirit. And they bring life to whatever word is spoken. When you speak the word of God, they are released into the spirit realm. Well, I don't know about this. This is getting crazy. I want to tell you, angels are trained to recognize the words of God. And it's not this weird, crazy, out there thing. It's relevant to your everyday dashing of foot on stone. And they pick up that word and they go perform his will off of your word. Off of that word that aligns with his word. That's why I tell you, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what it feels like. Speak the word of God because your angels are energized by that spoken assignment. By that verbalized vitality. If you don't learn to speak the word, your angels will never get to do their job. They'll be sitting paralyzed, waiting for the word of God. So when I feel like I'm in need of protection, I can give his angels charge over me. My angel is standing there waiting for his assignment. And when he hears the word of God, the sword is drawn. The sword is a weapon. The Bible calls the word of God the sword. The sword of God. When I, when I get the sword out, the angels go with that weapon on the offense. And they take that word and they bring light. And they bring life. They clear confusion. They make a way. They do whatever the word is commanded to them to do. The wrestle is about to throw down as soon as the sword is pulled. You want to wrestle? You want to be a luchador? Pull out your sword. People want to fight you. He says, I'm taking the word, and I'm going to throw it down. I'm going to throw down the word, and there's about to be a wrestle, throw down, showdown, and I'm going to have a hoedown with the word of God. The Bible says the battle is already the Lord's, just waiting on the word. But God doesn't get off his throne and go fight in battles. Does God get off his throne and go fight your battles? No. He has a military in his kingdom that fights battles. And it's not you, and it's not him. He has a military. Every kingdom has a military there is a wrestle on earth and it's not against flesh and blood but against supernatural powers and principalities and rulers of darkness but let me tell you something about god's angels even though there might be a wrestle and a tussle they don't lose they don't lose and if you're gonna mess with me you gotta mess with my angel if you're gonna come against me hey, there's an angel assigned to my life you got to come through my angel because I've got one move in my wrestling match. I got one full Nelson in my wrestling match. I got one headlock, backwards, flap, flap drop. I got one move. I'm going to speak the word. And the word wins every time. And he's going to pick up that word and he's going to defend me, not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. Somebody who wars with the word of God, shout yes. yes. Somebody who battles with the bread of life, shout yes. yes. 
Come on, you can't touch a person that knows how to war with the Word of God. Though they come against me on all sides, I speak the Word of God, and every enemy starts running away from me. Are you catching me? It might look like I'm surrounded, they say, but I'm surrounded by something that's surrounding me. I'm telling you, there is a war, and it's activated with the Word of God. You can't touch a person that knows how to war with the Word. Do you know your word? Do you know the word? We don't know the word just to flex and be cool. No, we know the word for, for earthly things now in our reality. See, things might be out of your reach in the natural, but they are not out of your angel's reach in the supernatural. And that's why you always want to fight your battles with the bread of life. Because they're trained to pick up those words of spirit and life. My word is spirit and my word is life. And they run with their release. I'm saying if you release them, they will run with those assignments. They will run on that mission. They will run to your baby's, uh, baby's uh, aid. They will come and help you in your time of need. They will do something at work that you can't make happen. They will do something in your family that you can't make happen. I'm saying send them on assignment according to the word. Watch your words because you war with those words. And on the flip side, that's why you got to watch your negative words and words of death. Because demons, yes, are just simply fallen angels. And they pick up the antithesis of God's word and they run with that on assignment. And that's an open door to them. They only run with the words that you give them to work with. The demonic has no place. It has no foothold. It has no place unless you release them with your words. I want you to get it. Angels are programmed to pick up the word you speak of God and run with that assignment. And there is a wrestle in the spirit realm that takes place over your words. Demonic forces are energized by your words, by your negative words. They've been pre-programmed to take words that you yell out, and you've gotten mad, and you literally stub your toe, or you literally get mad at your friend or your neighbor or your husband when you give them a piece of your mind. I mean, so many people are giving so many people pieces of their mind. They just got to watch it. You don't have any part of your mind left. Quit giving everybody a piece of your mind. You're not going to have any part left. The demons pick up on all those pieces of your mind, and they run with those negative words, and they perform those words. And they're open doors in your home. And they're open doors in your workplace. But your angel is trained only to hear God's word. And they're released on assignment. So when they hear God's word out of your mouth, that sound moves them. And they go and perform the word on your behalf. Come on. I'm about to free the fighters in this place. Let's read it one more time. Let's go to Psalms. I think it's 103. Let's read it one more time on the screens. Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who are good at being strong who do his word, heeding the voice. Are you the voice of his word? It's very specific. I'm about to free the fighters. They're heeding the voice who speaks his word. I'm going to take the word of God, and I'm going to loose the luchadores everywhere this week in my life. Anybody ready to rumble? Anybody ready to fight? Come on, if you receive it, and you're ready to rumble right, shout yes in Jesus' name. Come on, give him praise. Give him glory. I'm ready to elevate my life. I'm ready to take it to a whole nother level. I'm ready to release warring angels in my reality. This is not hocus pocus spiritual gyration. This is a reality of his kingdom coming to earth. See, testament seat. See, testament seat. Use the word of God. Pay your taxes. Tithe. Come on, use the military that's available to you. Work your citizenship. You are born again. Come on. 
work the culture the kingdom culture that Jesus gave us nonstop when he breathed the breath my kingdom is like my kingdom is like work what he gave you and you will see victory because all they do is win 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 if they're released I want to see we want to win 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 I want a winning culture over your home I speak over your family dynamics your kids and your marriages I want to see a winning culture created not against wrestle of flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and lockdowns on your family realities I want to see greatness breaking off of your life and into your home I want to see your workplace you to be the head and not the tail above only and prosperous in times of famine in times of uncertainty you're gonna have a Joseph spirit that says I will excel in strength because I know who's fighting with me I know who's fighting for me I know who's fighting behind me and I'm releasing them by the Word of God they excel at being strong we're going to see it financially for you. We're going to see it relationally for you. I'm going to see broken relationships mended and made whole by speaking words of life and aligning my thoughts with kingdom thoughts. I'm ready to release. I'm ready to free the fighters.